God will not reject
Captivity, bruised and battered by sin. Hallelujah. But He gave us a freedom. Amen. Arise, possess that inheritance this morning. Amen.
set you free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Are you free this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's go to prayer at this time. Brother Joe Walner, could I have you open up the service in a word of prayer? We have a prayer request from our brother Gabriel Florent. We'd like us to pray for his friend in Toronto who's been in ICU since Monday with an infection in his lungs due to diabetes. Amen. Let's pray for that. Total healing for him. Amen. If you just have a need, let's lift it before the Lord. Amen. He'll meet and answer that need as the brothers come for morning offering also with Joe. Precious Heavenly Father, once again we come before thy holy presence, O God. We're so thankful for your goodness, grace, and mercy, and your loving kindness towards us once again to your house, Father. To worship you, to praise you, to adore you, and to lift up your holy name, Father. For you are worthy indeed of all honor, glory, praise, and thanksgiving, O God. And this morning, Father, we come with every need and every burden upon our hearts, Father, that we might relieve it to you, Father, O God, and leave it there, O God, because you said, ask anything in my name and I will do it, Father. So this morning, O God, we're leaving it, O God, in thy holy and wonderful presence, O God, because you, because you said it and we believe it, Father. What you said, you will do it unto us. We've seen you and experienced it many times, Father, when we come before thee, Father, in the sincerity of our hearts, Father, O oh God, knowing that you are our God and we are our children, Father. You are our Father, O oh God. And if children were heirs of these great and exceedingly precious promises you've laid out for us, Father. And we ask thee, O oh Heavenly Father, this morning, O oh God, that you once again renew our spirit, renew our faith, Father, renew our life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, O God, as time goes on, Father, as we're nearing the end, Father, O God, we must be more sincere, Father. O God, as the prophet spoke to us loud and clear, O God. So tonight, so this morning, Heavenly Father, O God, we just want to ask you that you will come before us and that the word of God will be will be preached this morning by with spirit and in truth, Father. And we just so depend upon you, Father, for our daily bread. Because you said we should ask, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, our trespasses. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil, Father. That is our, we ask you for that, Father. And I know, Lord God, you will bring every honest heart what is laid before you, Father, because you never say, you never fail, Father. You said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you until the end. And Father, this morning, we want to pray for every need in your divine presence, O God, and those that have already been read out to you, Father, this morning, Lord. And the sincerity of our heart, we ask, dear Lord Jesus, Father, Lord, if it was our case, our children, our mother, our father, whatever it is, there is, Father, we would be 
wanting to have these, these needs met as you've done so many times before, Father. And we thank you, dear Lord Jesus. And as your servant comes, Father, before you, Father, this morning, oh God, bless our hearts once again, Father. Lord, we commit all these things, Lord. We need prayers, the prayer requests, Father, oh God. Meet them this morning, Lord Jesus, Father. And we thank you, oh God, once again this morning for the offering that the people lay up before you, Father, oh God. And we pray that you will bless and, and meet it for the intended use, Father. And we just thank you, Father. And we commit this all to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may have your seats this morning. Thank you, Brother Joe. We have a few visitors to welcome this morning. We have our sister Marith, Marith uh, Jordan from New Zealand. Would you stand? We can welcome you this morning. God bless you. Amen. We have our pastor Niguana. And wife, Sister Sharon Rose from Zimbabwe this morning. Will you guys stand? We can welcome you this morning. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen. And we have our brother Huang and son Tony this morning from China. If you guys could stand. Amen. God bless you. I trust you all are welcome with our, in our atmosphere this morning. Amen. As Brother Michael comes, I wonder if we can sing. I heard Brother Ryan playing it, and I had it written down to sing this morning. I have an anchor in my life holding to a solid rock. Let's start with the verse. With all the trouble around me, how discouraged I could be, yet in my heart there's a deep sense. Steadfast and sure. Oh, I have an anchor in my life, holding to a solid rock. 
spirits this morning? Nothing like inspiration from a believer's song. Amen. I'm anchored to the solid rock this morning. Amen. Greetings from Brother Tom. You can still stand, you can sit, whichever. Uh, Brother Tom in Seattle this morning as he's preaching tonight in Seattle for the believers there. Brother Inguenya, Sister Shen Rose, he brings you greetings. Thank you for coming and your little 48-hour trip here with us. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you here and meet you yesterday. We had pleasure and honor to do that. Amen. Well, there's enough of us away right now on vacation, so I can see the holes. So you're going to have to be a little bit more, uh, you're going to have to pull double time and maybe triple time. Maybe you feel like you're the only one in your area. Well, so you got three times the work this morning. <laughs> just, it's a good, everybody's just connecting with their families, and we just pray each one has traveling mercies. Someone are, some are driving on the road, and some are road tripping and taking a break, so we pray for them. Remember them as they're away, but we're here. We're here holding the fort. Amen. Amen. I hope you have expectation this morning. I've just been, I want to sing this song maybe before we go to the word. I want to sing just Waymaker. I was pondering the song. He's my waymaker. Man, he can make a way where there seems to be no way. We can stand as we sing that and we go to the word. He's here in our midst this morning. If he wasn't here, we might as well just pack up and go back home. If you just came here to sit in for a Sunday morning church to put in your Sunday morning time, you should just pack your Bible up and go back home because that'll just do you nothing here. Down the road, you'll just falter and fail. But if he's here this morning and you came to meet him in his presence this morning, then you'll go from here changed. Never the same again. You walk in one way and you go out another because his presence is here. Amen. So let's sing that this morning. I know you've been singing just wonderfully. I've been singing with you in the back and so I want to sing with you here in the front amen and just enjoy the atmosphere this morning amen you are here
exactly what we are doing this morning, Lord. We are worshiping the King of glory, worshiping the God of all creation, worshiping our Savior. Lord, as I was praying this morning, I said, Lord, you're my friend. Lord, you're our friend. That sticketh closer than a brother. When, Lord, all would seem lost and we would seem all alone, Lord, you're standing by our side. Lord, you're the one that makes us, Lord, we can go through difficult times, but we can look and say, he brought me through. He took me out of the miry clay. That's who we came to worship this morning, the mender of the broken pieces, the healer of the broken heart, the way maker, Lord, the miracle worker. Oh, Lord, would you be so pleased with your people this morning that you would descend and dwell and, Lord, move in our midst this morning. That's our prayer and our desire. So we commit this, this service, as we would say, this Sunday morning meeting. But, Lord, would you take the words that would be spoken. May they be so direct to the heart of your people. May they pierce and penetrate. As your scripture says, the word is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing and dividing between soul and spirit. Lord, move past the emotional realm. Move past the fleshly realm and pierce the soul realm this morning. Oh, God, we commit all to you. We surrender ourselves to you, yielding both speaker and hearer to the very moving of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, musicians. We can turn to the Word this morning and do Ephesians. Good to see each one of you here. I'm just pondering before the service and through the weekend, and I just thought, you know, I am, not that I'm more convinced, if I could use it for lack of a better word, if there's, I'm sure there's many other words, but that we are so near the very end of time. So near the very end of time. Not just to be at church this morning. And you start to get, when you start to really sense really where we are in time. I said, Lord, I just want to be at church. I want to be in your presence this morning. Draw me near, near, precious Lord. Ephesians 3. Maybe we'll start at verse 4. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto the holy, his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the power, effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ." I want you just to make, take note of verse 9, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which the, from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. May we turn to Colossians 1, familiar scripture, verse 25. We all know 
the scripture quite well, I'm sure. Those that are readers and believers of this great message. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you, Paul speaking, to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Amen. The glory of this mystery has been made known, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. You may have your seats this morning. I am going to just try and take a subject this morning. I need you to really maybe, uh, I told, my, told myself, I should say, that I would nail my feet down this service and I'll just stand here at the pulpit. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> I'll try, <laughs> but maybe just a bit of a different uh, a different. Way to, to, to take the service, there's just some, a lot of, maybe some quotes and such that we just try and go through. I've, I just, uh, my title this morning is The Fellowship of the Mystery, and I've just tried to, uh, I just couldn't let the, the, the scripture, just couldn't leave, wouldn't leave me, and I said, Lord, I, I don't really even feel, uh, I even have, I can't preach that. I, it's just, you know, I'll leave that to some uh, deeper preacher. <laughs> But uh, we'll just fellowship on the fellowship of the mystery. How's that? And uh, this is the word that's been given to us today. And so we'll just fellowship on that this morning. Fellowship, something that most people, Brother Branham talks about it, that pretty much everybody desires. They desire to have some form of fellowship. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe these days there's more hermits than, than there was before, but at least back in that time, and when Brother, Brother Branham was speaking, people desire fellowship. And I can say now people still and do desire fellowship. It's a lonely world and they're craving some sort of fellowship. And Brother Branham says now what makes man want to fellowship is because he was made that way. He was made to have fellowship. So you have a craving, you desire fellowship, you desire friends, you desire to have maybe uh, you know, conversation and, and, and a connection. It's because you were made that way. God created you this way. And he says in the oldest book, he said in Job, he longed for fellowship. He knew there was a creator. He believed him with all his heart. Oh, he said, if I could get to him. If I only knew where he lived, Job, speaking of Jesus Christ. And he says, I could go up and knock on his door and talk to him just a little while. This is Brother Brandon paraphrasing scriptures in Job, and I thought, I wonder if there's somebody here today that's desiring that type of fellowship with God, saying, oh, if I could just walk up to his door, and knock on his door, and say, I just want to talk to you for a little while today. I want to fellowship with you, because God put that inside of you. Amen. He said he's closer than his, to you than his door. It's, sorry, I said, but think he's closer to you than his door. His door is your heart. He said, and he's so close tonight, he's closer to you than your right arm is. He's part of you. Amen. Amen. Just, lodge, just really latch on to that. He's part of you. And if we can only realize that he's here, he's here. Amen. We just sang the song, moving in our midst. Man, he's not somewhere in some far off distant place. As Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, where is your God? Where is he out sleeping somewhere? Is he on vacation? Come on, call your God. No, our God, as Elijah's God, was here. Amen. He said, come down and, and bring a showdown on Mount Carmel. 
Choose you this day whose God you're going to serve. Is it Baal, who can't, isn't even near here, far off distant place? Or is it God who answers by fire? Amen. He's here. He said, and if we can realize that he's here and he wants to have fellowship with us, his heart is greater for fellowship than ours are. Think about it. His heart is greater for fellowship than ours are. And the reason he makes us that way, because we're offsprings of his. That's what makes us long for fellowship. I just thought, my goodness, we're offsprings of his. And so if we're offsprings of his, he says in the following, the next quote, he says, just like a mother would die for her baby or father would give his life for his wife. He says, but Christ gave his life for the church, his wife. He said, it's a strain in you. Because you're an offspring of him, and he longs for fellowship with you. You long for fellowship with him because it's a strain in you. It's built in your spiritual genetic gene to long for fellowship. Amen. Now we can more, we can talk about fellowship. And we talk, you know, when we think of fellowship, we think about, well, just talking to each other. Maybe we think about sitting down and going to the fellowship room and having a conversation and we speak to each other and we tell our different thoughts and our struggles and such and we, and we, we have fellowship. And that's maybe sometimes what we, the extent of what we feel fellowship is. Maybe a time to converse. But fellowship is more than just talking. Amen. It's more than just having a conversation or sharing a moment. It's, it's fellowship goes much more beyond that. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's more than an interaction. It, it, it implies more of a, of a real connection, I would say. Because I can talk to a lot of people, but I'm not having fellowship. So fellowship must mean it goes a little bit more than just talking. Amen? And fellowship, if you go into the meaning of the word, it, 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 it means companionship. It means a, a, a confederacy, even, an alliance. It's like a band or a group. They're, they're, they're tighter than just conversation. They're sharing moments together, struggles together, and, and, and there's a partnership or a joint interest in something. Amen? They're participating toward a goal, having fellowship. Fellowship is a company, a state of being together. And maybe it's, it's also to share which one has in anything, or it's a participation. It's communion, and it's intimate. Communion is more than just casualness. Fellowship isn't just casual connection. It's intimate. It's close. It's personal. That's fellowship. Fellowship requires action. Fellowship, you don't get that. You don't get connection. You don't get a communion. You don't get an intimate relationship one way. It's a two-way. It's a two-way. It takes effort. You know, nowadays, I don't know how many people want to put the effort in. Maybe it's too hard to put the effort in for fellowship. Even Brother Branham talks about even in prayer. We can be in prayer and we talk and we, we, say, we, we request, we request, we put this in, put this, and then we get up and leave in prayer. And he said, you haven't even let God speak to you yet. It's, it's got to be two ways. God, give him time. He says, I wonder, you know, we got all these work at home kind of things. You know, it takes effort. People don't want to go back to work anymore. They don't want to talk to their coworkers. They don't want to go to the office. It takes too much effort to even have that bit of conversation. You know, I say, well, I just want to stay home. You know, I'll just do my work at home and get her done and not really connect. I wonder if God took that type of type of mentality in our relationship with him. He's like, yeah, you know what? I've got too much going on in the, in the rest of my world. I'm just going to park our relationship today. I'm just going to, you know, stay at home, <laughs> so to say. 
Sure, God, I'm sure glad he didn't take that level of effort. God puts everything in. Amen? Well, I'm just too tired. I won't pray today. Well, then we want God to work on it immediately, right? So there's different depths of the word to be in fellowship with somebody. But there's even more if I wanted to say, well, I, I, I fellowship with somebody. But I want to go a little bit different uh, direction with the word fellowship because you can go, I can be in fellowship or I can have a fellowship. And that's a little different because now that is, I'm in a, a, a fellowship is like a, a company, as it said, of people or an association or a companionship. And there's, there's different uh, fellowships in the world and large or small, it really doesn't have a, of a uh, specific size, but a confederacy would be considered a fellowship because you're, you're, you're united on a certain front, a certain purpose at all costs. And there's fellowships, the Alcoholics Anonymous have a, what they call a fellowship. It's people that are united to sober people up, and they call it a fellowship because it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this moving forward. They have, there's actually what's called the fellowship is one of the largest political Christian groups in the world today. It's actually one of the most secretive uh, groups, most well-connected and secretly funded ministries in the United States. It's called the Fellowship. Maybe some of you know about it. Apparently, Brother Roy does. <laughs> I didn't know about it, Brother Roy until I was studying. <laughs> but you don't know about it because they don't say anything, actually. It's super, super secret. It's, it's, it's part of their deal, I guess. But they hold the National Prayer Breakfast every, US, every February in the U.S. The president comes. It's a big thing. But they call it the Fellowship. And it's a group of people that are focused on a certain direction. They're united with a cause. And so they're called a fellowship. And something unites them. <clears throat> and I don't want you to show, uh, uh, maybe even uh, confuse fellowship. There's a grand difference between fellowship and to associate. <laughs> associate is just to mix with or to mingle and socialize, rub elbows with. But this is not this gospel. We don't just rub elbows with the gospel this gospel, is, but as, as the scripture says, is a fellowship of the mystery. And so I want to speak about that a little bit this morning. And fellowship is, is, is oneness. A fellowship is, is a desire to, to connect or to attach to a certain thing. And, and there's just such a lack of oneness, a lack of desire for that. I looked up even the amount of uh, the decrease in marriages these days uh, is, is incredible. It's on a constant decline. Uh, common law living arrangements is on a massive increase uh, from 20 to 24 years old. And in fact, it's even upticking in 55 plus year old because people don't really want oneness. They don't want to be in a marriage covenant. They just want to live kind of their life and you live your life and you've got your prenup and I've got my prenup and we'll just kind of hang out together, rub shoulders together, but not real fellowship because fellowship is to be one. Oneness brings product. But Abraham says, yes, the disciples had no unity. They could not understand Jesus. They are uh, who can understand these things. God wasn't in them yet. He said they were just associated in fellowship. They just associated with him. There's many a good man today. He said, oh, they, don't, they don't drink. They don't steal. They don't have that oneness of God. They wasn't one with God yet. See, they couldn't be. Oh, they've done miracles. They cast out devils. He said, then, in the following paragraph, he says, now then came Pentecost and God made them one again. Very different. 
They, they were associated with Christ. They were rubbing shoulders with Christ, but they were not in fellowship with Christ yet. And until he lives and reigns inside of you, you're just rubbing shoulders with a group of people, but you're associated with the gospel. You are not in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Not until he is inside. Not until you have a Holy Ghost experience. It says, then they had oneness with God. God was in them. And now, Acts, he goes, if you're putting it down, the Bible said they were with one heart, one soul, one mind. Oh, he said they had been restored back to the original again. Amen. So a fellowship. But there's a different fellowship. I don't care about the secret fellowship. I don't care about Alcoholics Anonymous fellowship. I don't care about the Confederacy's fellowship. I don't care about none of that. There's one fellowship. There's one group of people that I want to talk about this evening. A select few, really a minority that's united in a common cause. Amen? And that's the group of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the scripture says it's a fellowship of the mystery. And so I want to just go into that a little bit. If you've read Christ the Mystery of God Revealed lately, then you'll be right in line with where a lot of these quotes. If you haven't, well, here we go. But Abraham says, God's great mystery of how it's a secret. He kept it a secret. Nobody knew nothing about it. Even the angels didn't understand it. He didn't reveal it. That's the reason under our seventh mystery, when the seventh seal was opened, there was silence. Jesus, when he was on earth, they wanted to know when he would come. He said, even the Son himself don't know when it's going to happen. God has all this to himself. It's a secret. And the reason there was silence for a space of a half hour, and the seven thunders uttered their voices, and John was even forbidden to write it, see the coming of the Lord. Amen. So it's just a mystery. It's a secret. God's holding it. And all of these different things. And John says, forbidden to write it. So then what is it? But then if you just read it, he goes the coming of the Lord. And so we see Brother Branham outlining what that breaking of that seventh seal is, is the coming of the Lord. He goes, that's the one thing he hasn't revealed yet of how he will come and when he will come. He said, it's a good thing. He doesn't. He said he showed or revealed it in every type that's in the Bible. So it's sitting there in the scripture of how and how in every type. He says, therefore, the entire Bible is the revelation of God's mystery in Christ. My, the entire Bible is an expression of one goal. My, could we just sit on that little line for just a little bit? The entire Bible, every aspect of this from cover to cover is one single goal. He said that God had one purpose he wanted to achieve in the entire Bible is an expressing of what God's great goal is. And now in this last day, what day? This day. In this last day, he's revealed it and shows it. My glory. That's what this message is. He says, and God's help, we'll see right here this morning what the Lord has had in his mind long, all along and has expressed it. Amen. God had one goal. He didn't have a long bucket list. He didn't have the top 10 things that I'd like to do. He didn't write down my, my top three major things that I need to do. He had one goal, one objective. 
Amen. He had, he had Brother Branham goes into it. He says, then we're going to go through it. But one objective to express himself. My everybody these days want to express themselves. They don't want to show who I really am. This is me. Take it or leave it. And, and they're expressing a whole lot of perversion is what they're doing. But there's a desire to express. But God back in the way early regions of beyond time desired to express himself. That's the expression that I want. I don't care about this world's expression and all their desires of their LGBTQ, XYZ, plus, minus, whatever. But God expressed himself in this day. You know, the problem is these days people express it and it's a public affair. The whole world needs to see it. I need to get my whole device out there. See who I am. See what I'm wearing. See what I'm doing. It doesn't everybody want to know. Look, look, show the world who I am. You know what? God didn't do that. He said, I'm keeping it a secret, actually. I'm going to express myself, but it's a secret. Just for my own predestinated. One purpose. Everything that was in him was going to be everything he was. Can you imagine? You think all the efforts of mankind and combine all of them and think of the strength or the mental might or whatever that mankind could have and accumulate it all together. Say, what a powerhouse. Surely humanity has done so much to achieve what a, you know, the, where the world is today. But all of God, all of God, one soul desire. And everything that God was, he put into expressing that. And he wasn't leaving one thing out, I can tell you that. You know, we say, well, we'll leave it all in the court. We're going to go and put our A game out there. We're going to go do everything we can. I'm not going to leave any extra effort. God didn't leave. He left it all on the court, if I could say it that way, without being sacrilegious. He put everything into ensuring that you and I would get exactly what he was trying to express. He said, I had to express a savior. And so he did everything he needed to do to ensure that he expressed a savior. He bore the stripes. He went to the cross. He became man. Why? Because he said, I must express a savior. He didn't go there and be like, well, you know what? I just can't express the healer. I just don't really think I can really go all that distance. And so I'll do everything, but I won't bear the stripes on my back. I'm not going to do that because it's just too much for me to do. No, sir. God did it all. He said, I'm a deliverer. He didn't leave that part out. He said, I'm going to be a peace giver. I'm going to be a healer. I'm going to be a burden bearer. Everything that God was going to be expressed, he made sure he fulfilled it. But Abraham says the first thing that God wanted to do in this secret, in this expression of who he was, his great goal, his great purpose, but Abraham said it was three objectives in that revealing of who he was. He said the first thing, God wanted to reveal himself to his people. He said he couldn't do it as a great Jehovah. He covered all time and space and eternity. He could not. He's just too great to ever be revealed. Young people, this is not too deep for you. Don't sit there and glaze over and old people alike. This is the word of God. Dig into this. This is what's been given to us in this day. He said he's too great to ever be revealed to people because it would be too mysterious. How could that great being 
never did begin that after you, that you went beyond the cycle of hundreds of billions and trillions and trillions of years of light space. Don't even try to even comprehend it because we cannot. And on out into infinite, into eternity and a great creature that was all that and still is. My, that's your God. But he wanted to do, he said, one of the key lines I think of the message is he loved fatherhood. Why? Because fatherhood is an expression. Fatherhood expresses a son and it expresses who he is. So that's why God loved fatherhood because it was exactly in line with his purpose to express himself. And so, oh, he said, I love fatherhood. And the only way he could express it was to then to become, Brother Abraham says, a son of man. And that's the reason Jesus kept saying, son of man. He said he wanted to express himself, one of his great threefold purposes, to express himself and identify himself with human beings. I sat there in my study, I said, oh God, how does a God that goes beyond my puny brain into all of eternities, desire to identify with you and I. Think of it. He desired to identify with you and me. He filled all time and space. He said, how do I get down there so that I can identify with Sister Margaret? How do I do this? Because I desire fellowship. But Abraham then speaks about how then out of him, reading different messages, the word went forth. And John says, in the beginning was the word. And many ministers have spoken on the word and the Greek word, that meaning logos. And we won't have time to go through all of these different aspects. But based the logos, which was the word of God, which Brother Bram says was the anointing of God, which was Christ, went out from him. That's what Brother Bram says. Christ was the anointing. The logos went out of God. Amen? Why? Because it's starting to brood. Because he needs to express something. When man was made in the image of God, God came down in the image of man to redeem man. Brought man and God together. Heavens and earth hugged and kissed each other. God and man embraced each other as fatherhood and sonship. When the logos became flesh and dwelt among us. My it was Christ all the way through. Christ and Moses. Christ and David. Christ and all the different ones of Scripture. Christ and Joseph expressing himself. How, how do you go through that? Anyone that believes any, uh, the Trinity, how can you break God into three persons? How if God's expression and his desire to fellowship with man, to become man, how, how is, it? is Jesus some other person that he's the one fellowshipping, but God's just kind of out there in all eternity being like, well, you get to fellowship, but what about me? That's insanity. God desired fellowship. God became man. And God then sent the spirit into you and I. God didn't have three different purposes. <laughs> God didn't have a purpose. Jesus didn't have a purpose. And the Holy Spirit didn't have a purpose. It's like, let's compare notes. Uh, what do you want to achieve exactly? Well, I'll maybe take that part. We kind of overlap there. No, I'm sorry. It isn't three gods. It's one God manifesting himself in three different offices. The same God, Jesus Christ, the same. 
Brother Bram says in the message, the principal theme is Jesus Christ. It isn't three themes. <laughs> Every aspect, all the wonderful, all the difficult scriptures, all the different aspects where you say, well, that, my goodness, Pharaoh, and hardening his heart, and, and causing Israel to go into difficult moments, it's all God, all revealing himself, so he can show him a deliverer, someone going into sickness, and going, a death of a child, because God is going to show himself a healer, God is going to show himself a resurrector. He said, he's the thing. He was in the prophets. He was in them. He was in Psalms. He said, if you're writing it down, you should be. He should be the principal if that's what he is. And we believe it, don't we? Congregation says, amen. amen. So you're right in line with the quote then. He said, then if he's that, he should be the principal theme of our life. He's the principal theme of the Bible, and the Bible is in us. Then he should be the principal theme of everything that we do, say, or think should be Christ. Amen. Yes, sir. And so a principal has one prevailing theme. Our fellowship, this fellowship, fellowship of the mystery, it's Christ. I just can imagine, as God then brooded through time, and as he sent that Logos, that anointing out through Scripture, through the Old Testament as he brooded to bring himself to a certain junction, to a certain point. And at, the, at one, a certain point in time, he became flesh. And his personal presence, God himself, actually then manifested his presence in earth. Can you imagine that junction point? As God has been desiring to express himself in these ways to his people, he said, the first part is I'm going to come and I'm going to express myself to my people. Oh my, when he came, there he went first into a little, tiny little cell showing the greatness of our God. But then he stepped out and part one of his great secret, and he, my, you, I, if I was, I'm not God, but if I, I surely would have wanted to said, here I am. <laughs> he didn't do that. It was a secret hidden to those that it would be revealed to. That's how God worked. And he started to call part of this fellowship. He started to call a part of the fellowship of the mystery. When his presence was here, it was types and shadows, types and shadows. And all of them could point, and they could point, and they could point. But at this time, at a certain moment in time, 2,000 or so years ago, the expression of God stepped out onto earth. And instead of pointing to something in the far future, there was a group of people that God started to reveal to them because of predestination. And they could say not, oh, there he's in the future, but he's here. And he started to say, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you part of this mystery. That's what he was doing. He says, come join me. Come follow along with me. Come be part of this fellowship, this communion, this intimate connection between me and you because I'm expressing myself the secret part of my mind that I'm not telling no one but a certain select group of people. You say, well, but am I, that, what are you kind of making this like some little sect or something? Guess what? Talk to God about that. God predestinated his people. God made a select group of people. Not me. Not you. He did. He called Peter. He called James. He called John. It was out to everyone. Freely come. 
But only those that had something inside responded. Therefore, it makes it a select group, doesn't it? (laughs) Glory to God for a seat inside. At the beginning, they had no idea what they were part of. But here they were, caught in this moment of expression. Part one of what God was trying to achieve as he expressed himself and the fullness of his expression in Jesus Christ. And here they were now, participants. Participants of the mystery of God. Unbeknownst to them, really what was happening. They didn't have the scripture. They didn't have Colossians. They didn't have Ephesians. They didn't have a prophet telling you, preaching Christ the mystery of God revealed. They didn't have that. They're just caught up because something pulled them into it. And God, it couldn't just be God alone. God was now extending to those that were present to be part, to part of his mystery, part of this fellowship. They are ordained now to catch it. Now, Jesus walked on the scene as he, as he manifested himself, as he expressed himself. But did everybody get it? <laughs> well, that was a pretty weak no. I heard like one. Did everybody get it? No, they did not. You think they could have caught it all. You think surely in this great expression as Jesus walked out and fulfilled all the scriptures that pertain to him. As he walked out and had a virgin birth and the angels announced his coming. And the shepherds witnessed what he was going to, what was spoken. And there he walked out. Then surely that alone should have said, okay, this one's different. We should be looking something. God's doing something here. Who, who has angels announce his arrival? Then he walked along. Miracles started to come forth from Canaan and the wine at the wedding. Miracle after miracle. And suddenly there was 5,000 men or so and more. And here they started. He started to break bread and started to create. Come on. The creator was expressing himself. He said, this is who I am. I've been there in all eternity. But I've come down to man to show you who I really am. And I'm going to show you that I'm the creator. So he takes a fish and creates another. Takes the same fish, creates another. Breaks the bread and creates some more. He's the creator. Did they see it? Nope. Come on. Couldn't they see the manifestation of the personal presence of God in their midst? As Lazarus was called from the grave, moved back the stone, Martha. Oh, What's he going to do? He's going to raise the dead because that's who I am. I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me shall never die. Kill Lazarus. What? He just raised from the dead. We want to kill him. Do, Do you not see the man Christ Jesus before you is God in flesh? No. No. Beelzebub. It's of the devil. Some stare. He's reading minds. Could it have been more clear? (laughs) I say no. They were blinded. Blinded. And we're blinded today. Blinded this world. Wicked. Laodicean ages. Blinded. You say, surely it couldn't have been more clear. Well, maybe get there. And so many associated with the message associated with Jesus' message, seen the miracles, experienced the life force, even behind it, and benefited from it. But it wasn't revealed to them of who it was. 
who was manifested before their eyes. And so therefore, they had no part of the fellowship of the mystery. And they, it was a junction. But Abraham says, the only way you'll know him today the only way you'll get the threefold revelation of God is for the Holy Ghost. And the only way it can ever be is you're predestinated to see it. Period. There it is. He said, if you don't, you'll never see it. If you're not predestinated to see it, you'll never see it. Because that light can flash and you'll go away, make fun of it, explain it away by some intellectual conception when the very God himself was manifesting himself and proving but unless you're predestinated, you'll never see it, he said. And my goodness, how many of those, as we just spoke, the light flashed. Christ stepped on the scene and expressed himself. The light flashed across their moment of time. Didn't see it. I think of Cain, who even had the very voice of God speak to him. Cain, just do as your brother. It wasn't even in symbol form. It wasn't even someone veiled in a badger skin. It wasn't God in, in flesh. And, and they had to look through scripture and be revelated by that. It was God's voice. God spoke to him. Amen. Just do as your brother Cain. Yeah, no, no. Cain wouldn't do it. Nicodemus. You just you need to be born again. I couldn't understand that. The light was flashing. You mean I mean to go into my mother's womb again? Agrippa with Paul. And Paul's preaching his heart out. Preaching Jesus Christ. Crucified and raised from the dead. Oh, Agrippa. He says, oh, Paul. The light flashing before him. The gospel flashing. Christ being expressed through Paul. And he's saying, Paul, I would that you would. You almost persuaded me. I think of Pilate. As he stood there. And is before him was the manifested Christ, Jesus, God in flesh, standing before him, standing there looking beaten and whipped, in chains and flogged and, and such. And Pilate said, art thou the king then? A king, Jesus answered, thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. <laughs> and Pilate lightning flashing of light flashing in the supernatural realm what is truth Pilate Pilate it's before you see it open your eyes Pilate he's right there God in flesh is before you what's truth how many exposed and flashed, the light flashed before them. But there's a different group of people, as Brother Brian says, that are predestinated to see it. Amen. A flashing light that exposes their whole world, speaking words of life. How could we not forget when we speak about this topic? How can we not step over or not speak about the woman at the well? How can we, when the light, Brother Brown says, the light flashed. Amen. It wasn't just some emotional tingly feeling. No, sir. It wasn't just something on, this, on the spirit realm, but it was the word that discerned her that went right to the soul realm because he was there in flesh expressing himself to her. Oh, my. 
She was desiring worship. She was desiring to be worshipped. Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, oh, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he come, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said, I, one of my favorite lines of scripture, I that speak unto thee am he. I am the anointed one. Amen. I am that Christ. I am the Logos that came out of the heart of God, back from the eternities, from the back parts of God's mind. I'm here now. And she, little did she know, but she was part of a fellowship of the mystery because her eyes at that moment were going to open and see God in flesh. The very king of glory unveiled before her eyes. Oh my goodness. The revelation of who he was was being released to her. Think of it. God has a time. He has an appointed moment when he's got revelation stored up. And he said, now's the time. It's the woman at the well's time. And a revelation, it's just waiting. Boom. And the light flashed. And what happened? Boom. Her eyes were open. Hallelujah. I say, I wrote in my notes, I said, oh God, may it be somebody's time. To drop the water pots. May someone's eyes be open this morning. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Don't sit on the well. Don't sit on the little curb there. Just wondering, well, is it really him? I don't know. I mean, it could just be what they're saying. It's just maybe just some, they, some say it's Beelzebub. Or I don't know, just a bunch of mind reading or something like that. Is it really the truth? I don't know. No, no, no. That wasn't the case because she was predestinated. She got up there and said, come see a man. Amen. It wasn't pointing. In the future, he's coming. And he's coming. I know that my redeemer deliveth. And at that day, he'll come. Oh, Moses, the deliverer, he's coming. There'll be one a prophet. No, no. She said, come and see a man right here. Nathaniel said the same words. <laughs> because why? A light flashed. Revelation unleashed. Thou art the son of God. Why? Because God spoke to him and revealed who he was. I seen you sitting there underneath the tree. Boom, just like that. Why? Predestinated to be part of the fellowship of the mystery of God being revealed at that time. There, John the Baptist. Brother Branham says, Well, I'm not doing too well at staying still, am I? <laughs> okay, you won. It's hot up here. John 1, 29 says, The next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John wouldn't have seen that. It wasn't a big, loud voice. And everybody down the Jordan River heard the voice saying, here is, I'll read the scripture for you. This is he of whom I said after me, come of the man which was preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, 
but that he would be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And we know in Scripture, this is my beloved Son. Hear ye him, and I knew not him not. But he sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, unto whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Scripture, verse 33. And I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize, the anointing, the Spirit of God that sent him to baptize, said unto me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, the same as he. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. John was there, and the Spirit of God descended on Christ. But unless he had been revealed to him, he would have missed it. But Abraham said, John would never know him, no sir, had the Holy Ghost not pointed it out. See how God hides his mystery? It wasn't shouted on the void of the mountaintops. Here he is. This is the Christ. Hear him. No. God revealed to John. He revealed to John. He revealed to his bride, this is this God revealed in flesh. He said his mystery. God hides his mystery to the high, educated and everything. Look, every one of them, people saying in simplicity, reveals it to him to whom he has predestinated to see it. Oh, others standing by and never seen the dove. Oh, I know. You might read the scripture and think, oh, the whole place saw it. No, no sir. Uh, never seen the dove. They never heard no voice. For it was only sent to that predestinated seed. Certainly. Amen. Amen. It had nothing to do with John. Nothing John could conjure up. Nothing he did. He was predestinated to hear that moment. Amen. And what was John seeing? The very mystery of God being revealed before his very eyes. Think of that. To me, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. But Abraham speaks, about, speaks a quote in Christmas, Mystery God Revealed. And he says, I don't even know if we're getting it. I don't know if your people are getting it. He says, oh, and he just goes through. Because it, and I just say, Lord, help us receive and understand by revelation. Amen. And here now, at the pinnacle of Christ, Jesus, his presence, God's presence being expressed on earth was being missed by so many. The 70 left him. The multitudes left him. He was manifested there. He was there being expressed, but they all didn't catch it. Only a a few. And Jesus then, at this time, as the ministry of Christ was shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And it became a few small group of disciples. And he said then, who am I? He asked Peter that. He asked him the question, who am I? Like many people, many missed him. But then Christ said, identify who I am. And he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was a revelation given to Peter. He was given the ability by God to identify the presence of God in his midst. Amen. 
So then after this moment, he takes them and they start saying, well, when will be the time when you're coming back? When will be the end time? We know in Matthew 24, they go through these times. And he says, but the day or the hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. It's a secret. It's a mystery. But as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. So verse to verse, God is identifying, it's a secret, but at that time, the Son of Man, who I am, is going to be revealed again. Okay, so when is, it, when is this time? No man knoweth, not even the angels. But that time is, I will be revealing myself again. Everything you have seen me do as a Messiah, as the Christ, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to reveal myself just like I did now. Catch that moment. Then you'll be able to know it's time. Catch it, saints. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He's giving you insight. When is this moment? When is the end of time? When I come back and identify myself the same God, I'll be returning. I'll be expressing myself as son of man. And that day, the same presence is going to be revealed, not in a, in a virgin-born body, not in a body that I created, but I'm going to come back in flesh again because I'm going to take my spirit and deposit it to my people and I will return as a redeemed body. That's the second part of my secret. But Abraham says the second is to have preeminences by this in his church, which is his body, the bride, till he could have preeminence to express himself through them. Christ, the mystery of God revealed in you, is what this message was written. But Abraham says, or I should say, Scripture says, John 14, Jesus said, I will send you a comforter. He says, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because he seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth in you and shall be with you and shall be in you. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said. He was pretty clear. Here, though, is the second part of his mystery. Little did they know he was telling them, this is actually what I've been pondering for so long. Before, he, before time began, this is the next part of my great revealing. God knew the seed would go on the ground. He knew it would require a rebirth. The church ages and such, he knew it would take time. It was already, already there and. John had received the revelation of the seals and no one even knew what it meant. He was sitting, sitting there, what was to transpire. And it's been sitting there all through all this time, no one though knowing what it meant. And so here we come up to this day that we're participants also. It wasn't just for a group of disciples and a group of people, a woman at the well, a Nathaniel, a Peter, a John, a James. But God was then going to come again 
And as scripture states, his presence was going to come again at the end of time or at the culmination, at the very coming of Christ. His presence was going to come again, which also means there'll be a people that will be able to identify his presence is here. He's going to need a continual or a growing of the fellowship of the mystery because he needs participants, not spectators. This is no spectator sport. You sit there on the sidelines and, amen, that's wonderful. But God is is looking for somebody that's a part of the fellowship, someone that's part of this communion, someone that has an intimate connection with who he is. I wrote in my notes, you... You, each one here and around this bright body world, have been created to carry the mystery of Christ in you. That's what you've been created for. In the back parts of God's mind, you are there. He said, I'm going to reveal myself, but i got to have a people that I can reveal it to. If he just revealed himself to nobody, what good is that? But he needed to express himself. There had to be someone to say, that's him. That's God. That's Christ again. So in you, he deposited. He deposited something in you that you would carry the mystery of God in you. You're not pointing to one. But you could say he's here. But Abraham said there'd be a time come forth when he could express himself in the fullness of the Godhead through his church and have the preeminences in his church. Anointed man, now the anointed people. Oh my, to bring back the anointed bride and the bridegroom. By what? Accepting what Eve turned down. And Adam coming back with the anointing of the word because he said, my word is spirit, anointed with the word. What Eve turned down, he comes back and we accept. Amen. That's your part. He said, she'll be a token to the world. You know what the woman at the well has been? A token to the world. That all would read and see that when the light flashed across her, she saw who Jesus was. And so many can read that and be like, wow, the woman at the well. And they're Christians and, and they believe that. But how about in this day? How about in this day? There's going to be a token to the world. There's got to be a bride that recognizes God in flesh again. This is the mystery. A part of God that he had in his mind. It's him in you. I'll be blunt. Christ in you is not you on some Instagram post posting about all your worldly passions and desires. That is not Christ in you. Christ in you is not going along and joining some work colleagues in some dirty jokes and some filthy conversation. That's not Christ in you. It's not dressing any way and looking like the world. It's not praying and reading your Bible once or twice a year. It's not listening to a message once or twice every six months. That's not Christ in you. But I wrote down here in my notes, Christ has given us men and women of this great gospel to show us what a transformation really looks like. He's not without a witness, saints. Oh, sir, behold, I give you a new creation. We've seen Brother Bisco since the 70s, those that have been here since that time. Let me ask you, has he wavered a bit? Has his life changed even a little bit? Has his passion for the gospel changed? No, sir. That is a transformation. That's a new spirit. Has the fervency of Brother Tom ever changed? 
Has he gone well? He's kind of just gone back and kind of became a little bit more laxed or regressed in some way of living well. You know, sometimes I slip in my language. No, because Christ in you, the hope of glory, is a new creature. We've seen a brother Joe and sister Eileen. Do I see brother Joe hankering to go back to the Hutterite colony? Back to some old religion? No, sir, because it's Christ in him. The hope of glory being expressed to you and I to say, I am here. I can transform. I can change. I can renew. And I can keep. I can keep. I can't just change. But I'll hold you until the very end of time. Hallelujah. He's not just a saving God. He's a keeping God. You young people that have grown up in this message, don't you longer linger or, or hanger for some testimony from the world or some testimony that you came out of. He can keep you. That to me is the ultimate, ultimate pinnacle and apex of the power of God in this day and generation of the most perverted, most filthy time. There are people that are pure. They're holy, they're clean, they desire God. That's the keeping power of God. I'll tell you this, that's Christ in this day on display. You don't need any more than that. Steady, anchored, unwavering. And they've been called, you've been called to the fellowship of the mystery of God. Man, I've seen many go. Let's go back in the archives. Let's go back in the archives. I'm just going to tell you straight. They associated. They associated with the gospel. As many associated with Jesus. But it came down to just a very few who desired communion. And it was in them. And God revealed himself in an intimate connection. Brother Bram says, God's great secret has always blinded the wisdom of the world. They can't get it. They don't understand it. Satan don't understand it. None of the rest of them understand it. But those who are predestinated to understand it, how God and Christ are one, they'll make him three every time. Why do you think this world is blinded? Because the Trinity doctrine has people worshiping idolatry and they don't even know it. Notice next, secondly, the manifested Christ in you, the hope of glory. The great manifested God in Christ now in you. Once God's great secret, the greatest mysterious secret in his mind is now put in the hearts of the believer. That this is, that is the body of Christ. He says, I sure we don't, we don't get it. He says, I can't see it the way I ought to. And I'm sure you don't. He said, but God's great mystery, what the eternal God has as a mystery, has now been enfolded in Jesus Christ. Like I said before earlier in the service, if you're trying to split God up and cut him into different pieces, you'll never see God's mystery of him revealing himself to you. Never. So the first coming, the first part, as we said, many missed it. And I would wonder... No wonder, I know in the second coming, 
Will it pass? And billions and billions of people will miss it. But Abraham says a couple times, he said he'll come. He comes first to redeem his bride. He comes second as a rapture to take away his bride. And he comes third with his bride, king and queen. After, he said, that's when many people are expecting the coming. Catch that. Many people are expecting his coming, and they're expecting his third coming. And the second, the rapture, will have already gone by. Because it's a secret. And God reveals it to a group of people that are going to be able to recognize God here again in this day. You say, well, Brother Michael, I don't really feel like I have Christ in me. I, I just feel like I fail all the time and I make mistakes. Brother Brown talks about making mistakes, getting up again and going on. But I don't know if you really realize, some of you have gone through and some extremely difficult situations, even currently right now, are in a very difficult situation. Different strains, great sicknesses, different pressures of this generation. But I, if you recognize it is Christ in you, it is Christ in you. That you get up every morning and sometimes you feel like, I don't think I can go another day. But it's the power that's in you. Because the Logos, the anointing, which is the power of Almighty God, is residing inside of you. That you can get up out of your bed and you can say, to God be the glory. Though he slay me, yet I trust him. Amen. The overcomer, the mighty conqueror, the mystery of God is here and in you. Amen. He says, but when he comes this time, hardly none of those who are ready or will know him when he comes. They'll just be an absence of people. They won't know what happened. They'll just be caught away in a moment and they just come up missing. My, God isn't coming like he did the first time, the second time. He's not going to come with a group of angels. He isn't announcing it. Behold, the Prince of Peace is coming. Nope, that's not how it is. It's not going to be a great proclamation. It's not going to be announced by a mighty host, but it's going to be coming a secret. It'll be a mystery, and it'll only be revealed to a little group of people. Even the messenger himself, I was just listening to, sirs, is this the time, or is this the time, sirs? And Brother Branham is going after dream, after dream, after dream, six of them, and then he goes through the vision that he's been given. He says, I don't know what this is. I don't know what it is. And he speaks about the, the constellation sweeping them up. He says, I don't know what it is. He didn't even know himself. The prophet to this day didn't know, but it was God. God was preparing to say, I'm coming. Oh, my saints, I hope we can catch it this morning. Brother Branham heads out into the desert somewhere, into a little desert place, a secret place that God was then going to reveal and say, I'm here. Catch it. Little bride, catch this morning. 
Everything that was being was hidden, God was going to loose all the mystery. You say, well, we've heard this before. No one else has heard this before. No other time before has heard this. But then God came in this day to state and say again, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Peter, John, I told you that when you see these things come to pass, I'm going to reveal myself again. And a prophet goes, and the seven angels come, and they drop down, and it's God saying, I'm here. I'm here. My presence is here to initiate my coming. Life magazine packed that little circle of a cloud and light there that they could not understand and don't know it yet. Go there and wait for these mysteries to be revealed. Months before it happened, then it happened exactly the way he said it would do. Do you notice that picture? Even that angel on the right when he was being materialized, coming down with wings, his head setting sideways. There it is right there in the picture. Months before it happened, told you here, he's going to bring the body of believers together. A body of believers, a fellowship of the mystery, a group of people that are going to be able to identify the presence of God is here again. That's what the loosening of the seals was, saints. Was God's proclaiming, breaking forth and saying, this is me. This is who I am. This is all the plan of redemption. This is showing you where you are at the end of it. And I'm rushing out or I'm crying out. See who I am. Why? Why? Because there's a body of people that need a word that can get you out of here. That's why. Never before has there been a time when there's a group of people that needs the faith for a body change. Never. No other group of people have needed that. Moses, Elijah, James and John and all the disciples all through history. There was never a time where the faith needed to be at such a place that you needed to believe for a change of this flesh. Never. So what did God do? He says, I reserve that time for the second coming where I'm going to reveal myself again. I'm going to put a prophet messenger that can stand between earth and eternity and I'm going to reveal myself through them, through him to them so they can get a touch. They can be, it's a tangible. They can feel the supernatural presence, the supernatural eternities and I'm going to transfer myself to them so they know it's reality. So they know I'm going to be there. So Amen. That's what the prophet came for. It's to bridge the gap between earth and eternity. And there'll be a people that'll recognize that presence here today. That's you. That's me. We're the fellowship of his mystery being revealed again today. You are the final members of that fellowship. All through time, God has revealed himself, revealed himself in different ways or expressed himself. But this day is the final drawing in, the final revealing. The woman of the well had her moment of revelation being burst out from eternity. But you, this is your moment. This is your time for the revelation, 
of God in flesh again here today. Think about it. God is revealing his secret. You know when someone reveals a secret to you, Brother James? It's a precious thing. He said, come here. I want to tell you something. I have something that's so near to me. It's a secret. You can't tell anybody. But here it is. And you walk away from that. You're like, I know something that nobody else knows. And you almost can gloat. <laughs> I know something you don't know. Tell me. That's what a lot of people do. Please tell me. I mean, come on. But God has expressed his secret to you. There's secrets that a husband says to his bride that he don't say to no one else. He speaks softly. He speaks words of life. He speaks words of peace. He speaks tender words telling you, you are my fellowship. You are my communion. You are my intimate desire. I want to be with you. That's what he's doing. He's revealing his secret. Brother Brenham says, the devil can't stand it. <laughs> hey, I like preaching with this. <laughs> Forget this thing. <laughs> he says, the reason, you know what? I think I could almost say that the devil can't stand this. It just feels so much bigger. He can't stand it. Amen. We've got to tell him a little bit. Devil, you can't stand this. Amen. I'll tell him with the biggest voice I can conjure up. That's the reason these economical kingdoms are setting up. That's the reason they're all coming into what they're doing now. The devil, that's the reason he's howling the way he is. His wickedness has been, his scheme has been uncovered by the risen, resurrected Christ in the headship over his body. Amen. Hallelujah. He says, you think I'm beside myself? You think I'm beside myself? No, he said, Brother Brown says, I'm not. And I'll echo him. I'm not. We've got the devil's answer. Not me that liveth, but Christ, the word, living in me. Sister Sherry, you have the devil's answer. He can pour on condemnation. He can pour on all his wicked ways of what you did or did not. But you have his answer. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not my idea. It's his power, not my idea. It's his word. He promised it. Here it is, EBA. He promised it. Here it is. He said it would be here. And here it is. He said we got his answer. He said that's it. Christ the word. He was the word. And the church becomes the word. Hallelujah. He said that's then what the devil is howling about is what's being revealed. You know why? Because a group of people are recognizing who they are. That's what Brother Branham said in, this, in that message. Christ the mystery of God revealed. And the devil is howling about it. Amen. He's loosed 200,000 thousand supernatural demons on the bride. Which means it's a struggle. And you don't know how you get even through a day. And you get yourself slowly on your knees sometimes. Trying to squeak out just a few moments in prayer. Because he's unleashed a demon powers on you. But it's not me that liveth. But it's Christ that liveth in me. That gives me the power to overcome. She is his victory. Hallelujah. Brother Branham says that. 
Christ the mystery of God revealed. He says the church is his victory. And I was thinking about that. My, we're his victory. I was thinking, Lord, we come forth. He said in the last days, his victory. He died for the purpose and we're proof of his victory. And I thought, my, you know why we're his victory? Because we're his goal achieved. My, I thought here we are at the end of time. When God revealed himself, and time will be no more. So in short order, and God in his back parts way back in eternity had a goal he was going to achieve. That's why you're his victory. Think at all through time he could look through all eternity and say, when I get there, it'll be over and done. And guess what? We're here. And that's why we are his victory. Because you are his achievement. Oh, my. God can walk proudly down the aisles of each church of his bride. <laughs> when you did something great, an accomplishment, you kind of walk a little bit, you know, shoulders back, right? But Ryan said, did something. And God did something. He's like, you're my achievement. You're my victory, Sister Bar. I revealed myself. You're my victory, Brother Austin. You're his purpose. Made real. In flesh. Today. Part of his fellowship. Of his mystery. He said, well, how do I know he's in me? I'm going to close. How do you know? Scripture says, I and you and you and me. And I wrote in really big, big, bold letters. You will recognize the personal presence of Almighty God unveiled in your day. If they recognized Jesus Christ and had a revelation of who he was, it was I and you and you and me. If they didn't, he wasn't in them in the first place. There was no seed in there in the first place. But if you can recognize him here today, his presence here today, that is I and you and you and me. Because the him and you is recognizing his word here today. There are Peters here today. There are women at the wells here today. Amen. There are Nathaniels here today. Amen. And I wonder if God would ask the same question. Who do you say I the son of man am? If they asked back then, if Peter was asked, if the elect, if the fellowship of the mystery of that time, participants of the revealing were asked that question, what about today? Would you, do you think we'd get away from having to answer that question? No, sir. Absolutely not. He said, do you think, Brother Bram says, time hasn't changed. People are designed the same as they was then. Hebrews 13.8 said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now I'm going to close by saying this, and so am I. The question isn't to them anymore. I actually had this wrote in my notes, and I was searching something up totally unrelated, and I came across this quote, and I said, oh, dear God, then you are wanting this to be said. He said, I'm going to, this, this question isn't to them anymore. He said, they asked who it is. But in 1964, the question is, who do you say it is? I say in 2023, who do you say it is? I'm going to ask you, but our Branham says here in Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, really? You're not from here yourself. You're here for somebody else. 
And you can't, you and some woman made an agreement and she's not here. And you made an agreement that you'd come and try and get in that prayer line and she'd be praying at the same time. That's right. And the woman's got a stroke. That's right. And she wanted to come, but she couldn't come because of her husband. There's a black thing hanging around her husband. He's a rank unbeliever. That is right. I see another man up here, and that man is your husband, and he's kind of tore up too about some affair, some spiritual affair. He's got hooked up, fixing to get hooked up in some fanaticism, something or something, telling him to go preach or something like that, or something on that order. A lot of tell him to be careful. Everything that says God is not God, and return back to the woman. Lay your hands upon her. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus and tighten up your fist. The handkerchief that you have, you may must take and lay it on her and believe with all your heart, and may God of heaven bring her the blessing. I pray in Jesus' name. God bless you, lady. Now go on your road rejoicing. Don't doubt anything but believe in God. Who knows these things? Does a man know these things? The lady right back there suffering with a headache. You think, oh, that's just something small. Wait a second. He says, God, don't let her miss it. Oh, God, please. Miss Morton, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He healed you from that headache. See, he wouldn't let her pass by. Who knew he wouldn't let her pass by? wasn't a man. It was God who knew he wasn't letting her pass by. I want to ask you something. Last night when I spoke to somebody in the building about their headache, you had a real funny feeling. And you was wondering whether I was, whether that was you or not. Isn't that right? Raise up your hand. I'm not reading your mind, but I'm telling you what you've been thinking. <laughs> who was telling her? Man? Today, he wanted to be sure that, you, that it was you. She wondered. If it was her the night prior, God was making sure that she got what she was needing in her desire. He said, look this way, lady, you suffer with arthritis. It's worse of a morning when you get to try and get out of the bed. You slip one foot out and then you try to make your way and hold the thing sometimes in the house. What's he seeing? What's he seeing? Is that man looking into some dimension? There should have been a bigger voice than that. He said, if you believe with all your heart, Jesus Christ will make you well. Tomorrow afternoon will be different if you'll believe it. Amen. Who is that? Is that a man? Stand if that's a man. Somebody stand and tell me that's a man. Then tell me who is it then? Is it a devil? And who is it? It was God Almighty. The Son of Man himself revealed it again in this day. Musicians, why don't you come? It's not just a man preaching sermons, saints. It was God proclaiming, I am here. And thirdly, we can't forget the third part. Because to restore the kingdom to its rightly position that fell by sin by the first Adam, back to where he walked in the cool of the evening with pure, not his words, my words now, fellowship. Amen. Amen. It comes all the way back around because God just desired pure fellowship. Oh my, don't that just make you want to love him all the more? When he'd go through all this effort, everything all to, to bring this to pass. Do you think of the sorrow and the pain and the tearing that went to bring this Bible, this word to pass? Yeah. All because God wanted fellowship. My. And I think about that time 
when that little lady who toiled so hard, worked, and labored, but near the end of a certain period of time, she was a little cousin to certain people, and she was a little washerwoman, and she went through some difficult times. But then one day, somebody came. The personal presence of the son of the owner came on the scene. After a period of time of difficult moments, difficult times to the ages, dark ages had been gone through. But at the end of the ages, the son of the owner was looking for a bride. And he came to a certain place. Hey Amen. We know the, the story of the armor company. And there she was, alone, was the one she was ready. To, and he said she, when he left, he told her his secrets. He started telling her he was looking for a bride. He started telling her that she was the one. He started telling her that she had the character he was looking for. A message came to tell her that she's the one, that she has the character that he's looking for. Amen. Who is he talking to? He's talking to you. And then he told her, he said, so when he left, he told her he'd be back at a certain time. He said, when you begin to see, it was the winter, he said, when you begin to see those trees begin to bud yonder, that mesquite and stuff begin to take on new life, then I'll be back about springtime. So there wasn't a day nor a specific hour, but there was a season of time that he said, I'm coming. And so be ready for when I come, amen? And so what she did is she labored and she toiled and she made sure she was ready because there was an appointed time that she must prepare for. Was it a specific day? No, it was not. Brother Branham said, but his mystery, his coming is only revealed to his bride. He didn't announce it to all of those people at the banquet, but he took her aside and he said to her a little secret, he said, I love you and you're the bride for me and I'm going to come back at this certain time. Will you be ready for me? Will you marry me? He didn't announce it. And so then she says, I'm the bride. He's coming to marry me. (laughs) You? You little scrubber little lady? You little nothing of Laodicea? You you don't even fit in with this world. Go wash your dishes. Go listen to your message. Go follow that prophet. You think he's chosen you? He did. He spoke to me. He told me that I'm the one. He told me a certain time he'd be coming that I need to be ready for. Amen. Is that how it is? He told her when he'd come, he revealed to her a secret, and no one else. She is this required part. She's the final element of God's secret. You are the final element of his revealing of who he is. He said, I must come and get you. But Abraham says, finally the hour come, and she began to see the buds begin to come on the trees. And she knew he'd be here anytime. Amen. We see the revealing of Christ in our day. You see the Son of Man return in His presence on earth today. And you start to season has started to change. Buds start coming on the leaves. And He says, I'll try to make it at sundown. He said, so we can be married and hurried off. And every evening at sundown, when she would go and get and make herself ready and get in her little garment, and she'd go to the gate. Think about it. She'd get in her little garment. Maybe it's tonight. And she'd go to the gate. And the world would look on her and <laughs> She thinks she's a bride. <laughs> Good grief. And then she'd go back. It wasn't that night. She'd go to bed. And then, oh, maybe it's today. And she'd be ready. And she'd go out and put her gar- garment on and wait at the gate. Is he? No, no, not today. 
and she'd go back and she'd did this. But it was a season of time. It wasn't endless. It wasn't spring only lasts for a certain part of time. So it's a season of time. She knew he's coming. It wasn't like, well, didn't he say the rapture was supposed to come? Not this one. Not this little lady. She knew he was coming. And so there she was. Did little cousins come and laugh at her, make fun of her? You poor little ignorant child. Who thinks the man who owns, he's the president, rather, of the company? And he, Brother Bram says, and finally one evening, she's standing there and they're laughing at her. And fun, and she one night, she finally got in the dress. Little did she know, it was her last night. Little did she know, and she put on the garment of the word, and she read that scripture, and she got into a message book. Little did she know, it was her last night. Hallelujah. One day will be your last day on your knees. One day will be the last message that you'll read. Hallelujah. He said, and all at once, they heard the hoofs prancing. Across the hill come a buckboard. A buckboard is a little wagon, he said, and the horses jingling and everything. Across the hill in the carriage. Oh, I say, God, one day we're going to bend our ear and I hear the prancing of hooves. Hallelujah. The buckboard to hitch you and I up is around the corner. I just say, hold on, little bride. Be like that little lady. Put your wedding garment on of the word of God. Put yourself and clothe yourself in this message. Because one day, you'll walk to that little fence post. You'll come to the end of that moment. And you're like, wait a second. Is that better you? Is that better Frank? Is that better Charlie? Yes, it's the prancing of hooves. Hallelujah. Who's waiting for the prancing of hooves? It's those that the mystery has been revealed to that can recognize the presence of God in your hour. I say, little bride, you are the fellowship of the mystery of God. Let us stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise his name. I'm so privileged. I wanted to sing the song, Who I Am, Lord. Who I Am. It just was a song that came to my mind as I was studying. Oh, glorious mystery. Or victory, I should say. What a mystery, too. That love expressed to me that Christ and I would be made one. Amen, Auntie Marilyn. I believe that's who you wrote that. Is that right? Amen. What a revelation of who you are. You're another one that has stood the test of time. Unwavering. An example of Christ on display. You'll raise up on that day, Auntie Marilyn. You that walk to the streets or the streets of Tweedsmere, the hallways of Cloverdale, and you'll stand at that day and say, I am a witness, a testimony that Christ and I have been made one. Oh, glorious victory. Sing it with me. That day he said.
It's predestination of who I am. I was I always want to sing another song, not to linger too long, but I just I was thinking of the burden bearer, the ox that has carried the burden from the beginnings of this congregation of Brother Biscoe. And I know a song that he loved, and I was just pondering this thought, and I know Brother Ed has spoken and carried the torch of this message around the world. And I just sat there in my chair at home. I thought him this morning maybe sitting in his place there with the screen in front of him. And I thought, you know, I want to sing his hot delights of home. As he would sing it so often here. Because he's carried this message, we'll continue to carry this message. Because he has been Christ revealed in him, has been a torch for you and I. And I just said, oh, Brother Ed, Grandpa, we're going to sing this morning. Is that the lights of home? That I see because that's the third part of God's mystery. It's to bring his people back to his side, to an Eden. And that's where we're here in the buckboard. And that's why I want to sing is that the lights of home I see. I see. Do I feel a breeze? Oh, just a little bit left. Yes, oh. 
Heavenly Father, is that the lights of home I see? Lord, sitting there and studying this weekend, Lord, it just felt like heaven just pushed its way a little closer. Lord, as we, I could imagine the time as your prophet was on the scene and the events that were transpiring and everything must have felt so near. Lord, like it was just around the corner, like you could take a next breath and Lord, the rapture would take place. But Lord, you've lingered a little bit because there's a group of people here that Lord needed to come to you. There was still the part of the fellowship that needed to come to your side. And so you've lingered, Lord, because there's seeds still to come in, which is why we're still here, still preaching this gospel, still living the life of Christ. So I pray, oh God, that you would take each one here. Lord, that we'd be rejuvenated with the power of your Holy Spirit, that Logos word that is deposited in our soul. And we'll walk out of these doors this morning. Lord, we'll go on our job site. We'll go into our workplace. We'll go to our families. We'll go to our extended families. And Lord, may indeed Christ, the hope of glory, be expressed through us, Lord, so that that last and final seed could be drawn to your side. And Lord, the third part of your great mystery would come to fulfillment and you'd bring us, Lord, back to Eden beauty again. So we commit this little service to you. I pray, Lord Jesus, you be near. Don't leave. Lord, may your presence go from this place. Lord, with your people. And Lord, we would give you the glory and honor in our lives through our daily work and efforts. Lord, be with the people that are away and vacationing and such, but are Tom tonight ministering, Lord, in Seattle. Lord, would you strengthen them, Lord, hearing the Lord the report of Friday, Lord, a wonderful time in your presence, Lord. Lord, that's what we all desire because, Lord, around the world you're bringing a bride, not just Cloverdale, not just Seattle, but you've got Africa and you've got Asia and you've got Europe, Lord, and South America, Lord, India and China, all these places. The bride must be brought together to the same place to where we all can be raptured in glory. So, Lord, may this word go forth in its power and anointing, we pray. Commit your people, we dismiss them in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to a poor preacher preach. <laughs> Amen. I pray you, Lord, strengthen this week. God bless you. Please remember camp is in two weeks. Two weeks from now, we have great expectation. It's going to be a bit of a different camp. It's a very full camp. Uh, so when you get there and you're like, that's my room and that's my bed, just be happy you got a bed. That's about how it is. We've got a few short cabins that aren't available to us this year, and so it's going to be a pretty tight squeeze. But that just means we're family, so, you know, we have more fellowship. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. God be with you in Jesus' name. Amen.